it's a it's a fun season for us. It's a fun time of year for us, and uh, uh, for us, it is uh, the season of Advent. Uh, and Advent is uh, uh, maybe you're like me. I, I I grew up in in one of these really boring faith traditions, faith streams, and and Advent wasn't ever a part of it, but. Uh, I love Advent, and uh, uh, I was talking to my neighbors this week, and uh, uh, one of my neighbors says, Advent, okay, what's, what's Advent? And I said, Advent means nine months pregnant. And they said, really? And I said, well, not really, but kind of. Advent means uh, waiting with expectation. I love what it says in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. It says, eagerly look forward to his appearing. If you follow the church calendar, Advent is, uh, begins not in January, but, but the church year begins this Sunday. It begins in a season of expectation. And I love that it falls this time of year because it's perfect to look back at the birth of Jesus, but also forward. Advent is, is the whole story of the God who was and who is and who is to come. Amen? And so Advent is perfect for any of you who need a fresh start. Because Advent is packed with all of the power of the new. In Advent, new life is possible. In Advent, the work of, of Jesus' life can and will be completed. In Advent, all of the promises of God are fulfilled. And so I want you, uh, Advent is this season of being on the edge of your seat. You know, our, our children and maybe some of you adults on Christmas Eve will be anxious and excited for what will be under that tree the next morning. But Advent says, man, I want you to be on the edge of the, your seat for the return of the King. I love what Jesus says about it. Uh, he gives us, actually, Jesus talks a lot about Advent. He talks a lot about his return and, and expectation and what we should do in the season of Advent. I, I want to share just one passage with you briefly. In Mark chapter 13, verses 33 through 37, here's what Jesus says himself about this. He says, and since you don't know when the time will come, he says, be on guard, stay alert. He says, the coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by a story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do, and he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. And you too must keep, what's that word? Watch. For you don't know when the master of the household will return. In the evening, at midnight, before dawn, or at daybreak, don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say it to you what I say to everyone. In, in, uh, in Greek, it's one word. It's watch. Watch. Be on guard. Stay alert. And Jesus reminds us to position ourselves in this place of, of vigilance. So how do we do that? How do we advent? How do we watch? How do we... How do we wait with joyful expectation? Well, I think a, a Psalm uh, a 131, uh, the 131st Psalm might, uh, might help us out with this. 
Uh, Psalm uh, 131 is uh, one of the shortest psalms. It's only it's only three verses, but it 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 has some great uh, uh, answers for us when it comes to Advent. Here's what it says. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. It begins by saying, Lord, my heart is not proud and my eyes are not too haughty. My eyes are not haughty. And I love this because uh, this kind of, that language of proud and haughty, it's, uh, in the original language, it it means, uh, this is a bad example, but it means my forehead. That's what it means. It's way up there, right? It's, uh, It's way up there. And that's what he says, my, my heart and my eyes aren't, aren't concerned with these kind of, kind of lofty things. And, and really the psalmist challenges, he ch- it's a challenge to our priorities, I think, but, it, but really it's a challenge to our attention. What has your eyes' attention right now? What has your heart's attention now, here, in this moment? Right now, are your hearts and eyes, are they wandering are they moving around? What has your attention? Uh, my family, uh, uh, over Thanksgiving, uh, uh, my parents uh, rented us a house in, uh, in Chattanooga, and all my extended family, we came, and we had this, this big house. And, and my parents' goal is, all right, let's get all the kids and all the grandkids. There's like 15 grandkids, man. I don't know. It's, gosh, it's nuts. Um, but let's get them all in one house together. Like, this is a good idea. So we drove to Chattanooga, and we, we got into this house, and we, we all got there together. And, and the kids are having a great time, and they're running around and all of this. And, and one of my family members, I don't, I don't want uh, to rat on my brother and tell you who it was, but one of my, one of my family members, man, they're, they're just in a season of work. Um, there's been some changes in their family, and, and uh, frankly, they're, they're, just in a, they're just in a season of work. You guys know that season? And, and man, you can just tell, like you could, from the moment they got out of the car, you could just tell like, like this weight of this season of work is just on them. And my brother, he got out of the car and he, he got the, uh, in, in fact, he didn't even bring the luggage in. We, we brought the luggage in for him, but he got out of the car and he had his backpack and he went to the kitchen table to the far corner and he opened his laptop and there he sat. And he came out long enough to take pictures, but then he found his way back. And, uh, and even the night that, that we were watching that, that football game that went really, really, really late and like crazy number of overtimes, he was still at the table working. He was there, but he wasn't really. And the psalmist says that that can happen to us. There are these seasons uh, of work and sometimes seasons of busyness. And, and, and what ends up happening is like, man, it doesn't just rob us of, of that moment, but like, like it actually robs us of ourself. 
And so the psalmist, it, it, it's, he says, hey, I've done this. My eyes are, are, are not too proud and, and my heart is, or my heart is not too proud and my eyes are not too haughty. I haven't, I've, I've, I'm intentionally letting go. He's, he's offering us instruction. He says, you know, he says, I don't concern myself, which really he's saying, don't concern yourself with matters too great or too awesome for you to grasp. And it's a, a challenge to our attention. What has your eyes' attention? What has your heart's attention? So here we are, season of Christmas, right? Season of Advent. What has your attention? There are a lot of things competing for your attention right now, right? It's the season of attention, right? In so many ways. So there's this question that arises out of this first verse of of what part of your schedule properly belongs to God? What part of your anxiety and stress and fear, what part of your worry or struggle properly belongs to God? What are these things that you've been holding on to that that properly belong to God? What in your heart and eyes properly belongs to God? The psalmist reminds us to give it to him. Don't trouble yourself with these things that belong to God. He says, instead, in verse 2, instead I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Uh, my mom, uh, uh, she, had, she had four kids, and uh, my mom loved to, to rock us when we were little. She, like, that's one of her favorite things is you have that rock, you have that chair in your house that was like the baby rocking chair. Like, that was my, that was my mom's favorite thing, like, to get as many of us as she could, but, but, but would settle for just one of us. She, she just wanted one of her kids in the chair rocking, and uh uh, we, we kind of learned this about her. Like, this was like one of her favorite places. This is one of her favorite things. As a mom, she just, she loved to rock us. And so uh, I, I confess to you that even when we were far too old to be rocked, I mean, our whole family is kind of like this build. Even when we are far too old to be rocked, I, I'm, I'm going to say that somebody in our family, even in middle school, sneak out of the bed at night. And even though it was past our bedtime and we were supposed to be asleep and she had other things to concern herself, it was, it was mom time. We knew that she loved to rock us so much that she would allow it. And we would sneak out of the room. We'd crawl into her arms. Our feet are dragging on the floor. You know, we don't fit at all. But it was such an important space to her, and it was a space that she loved, but we loved it too. And, and I don't ever remember a time of, of doing that or seeing my siblings do that, that we needed a book or an iPad or an iPhone or a screen. I don't remember needing the, or, or feeling the need to make, make that moment somehow more complete. In that moment, everything was complete, right? She was perfectly content 
And so were we. And I love this scene that it's, it's like a weaned child. Like, like this child in, in a mother's arms isn't, isn't planning or scheming. We didn't sit there in, in her arms and talk about the schedule. Right? It was just a moment. To, it, it wasn't a moment for striving or achieving. It was just a moment to just be there. Content to be there. And we're going to get more into this in the, as this series continues, but it was in those arms slowly moving forward and back that I discovered the truth of who I really am. I wasn't in the noise of the schools or the classrooms or all of these other things. I love our son, Cannon, uh, who is a fireball. He has Ethiopian energy. <laughs> There's going to be an energy drink named after him one day. <laughs> um, but uh, Cannon, when he wakes up, is, can I say my favorite Cannon? I don't know. But when Cannon, when he wakes up, he just wants to be held. Ah, oh, and that's sacred space for me, right? That's sacred space. And it doesn't last long. It's just a moment. But in that moment, like, here we are. Over uh, this, uh, this sabbatical time, I got to spend some time in, a, uh, in, in an abbey in a monastery in, in Kentucky. And people say, well, what did you, how was that experience? What was that like? And I say, well, there's no chance of uh, me becoming a monk, uh, partly because it's not what I desire, but partly because they would never let me in. Uh, and uh, it was, uh, I, I was joking with some of our, so some of you have, have Catholic streams woven into your, your faith history. I was joking with some of our, some of those people today, and I said, it was kind of like boring Catholic camp, if you could make Catholic camp more boring. Um, it's it's kind of what it felt like. Um, especially these, these monks, which are, which are Trappist. So uh, the, the things that I really love about liturgical traditions are, are the icons and the architecture and the imagery. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you have all of these beautiful things that help create this amazing picture of this space. But, but the monks at this monastery are Trappist monks. And, and really their goal is to strip everything away. They're, they're the opposite of ostentatious, Right? They want to make things as plain as possible. So uh, in my head, like one of the things I love to go at liturgical traditions, going to beautiful churches with amazing stained glass and all this kind of stuff. But at the monastery, it's one long white hallway, and that's it. There's nothing. The, the floor is concrete, right? And, and for them, it is just a, a way of removing all distractions, and my mom even asked, my mom said, well, that sounds pretty bland, vanilla. And I said, yes, it, it is. But, it, but it, even, even their organ, I was joking with somebody earlier, even their organ was like a horrible sounding organ and out of tune. It felt like it like had hammers stuck in it. It was just not good. But if you ask the monks, like, okay, why? What? Why, why white? Why so bland? What they would say is that we, we, we are removing all distractions because Jesus is enough. How many of you can say that? 
It's that rocking chair moment. For them, this, God is, is entirely sufficient. And it, it was just a, it was kind of, it's, it is a stark reminder that, that so much of what we strive for and cling to and pursue is, is frankly, it's just really unnecessary. It's what scripture says, simply, what God, what God says, he says, be still and know. What I would tell you about my time in the monastery was that I was still and God was still with me. Thomas Merton, who famously stayed at this monastery, he said that solitude and, and silence although difficult for us, is God's shortcut to the soul. And so in this scene, in in the 131st Psalm, you see the psalmist surrender ambitions, tames his ego, and closes his consciousness to anything and everything but God. content to be with God here and now. And when was the last time you intentionally moved into God's embrace? I have a secret for you. He's waiting for you. Do you believe that? I believe that anytime you move towards God, he will always be there like the prodigal father waiting for your return. And believe it or not, he knows exactly what your heart needs at this very moment. So if I have a challenge for you this Advent, it would be a challenge to follow the second verse of the 131st Psalm. To calm and quiet your soul. To seek a place of God's embrace, to, to intentionally move towards him. So I'm gonna give you a, a suggestion. There's a couple of ways that, that, uh, that we can grease these wheels and, and help things happen a little bit faster. So not all of us are able to go to a monastery for four days and practice complete silence, which by the way, my sister didn't think I could do at all. Well, she was right. But anyway, um, so how do we pursue this place of, of calm and quiet, this, this place of pure contentment with God? Um, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna argue that that place is important here. So I'm going to send you on a mission this week. I want you to find a calm and quiet place this week. I know we live in Franklin. I, I tell you, Mallory Road is not a good option, right? I want you to find a place of calm and quiet. Uh, this week I was at the uh, Divinity Library. It's one of my favorite places uh, uh, in, in the Nashville area. Uh, Vandy has a Divinity School and they've got a, a library underneath. It, it is like the Ghostbusters library. I, I kid you not. Like it's like turned sideways to walk through the stacks and no one is ever there except for me. So it's really great. 
But right outside the Divinity Library, there's a uh, there's a there's a great chapel on Vandy's campuses. Vandy's campus, and uh, it's right across from Satco. Do you guys know the place? Anyway, uh, uh, go and seek out, discover, go to the chapel. And I went to, uh, uh, after I went to the library this week, I went to Vandy's chapel there and uh, the doors are generally open. It's big, long chapel with a high ceiling and stained glass. And I went in there and all the lights were out. And I went, I sat down one of the, the back pews, because that's who I am. And, you know, I was just spending a few minutes of, of quiet prayer and contemplation. And a guy came in and I, I didn't see him come in. But he came in through one of the front doors and there was a piano and he just sat down and he began to play the piano. And it was amazing. It was amazing. Just to be quiet and still before God. So Vandy Chapel is a good option for you, but I want to give you another option. In fact, I have a picture of it. It's St. Paul's Episcopal. Do you guys know this place? How many of you like downtown Franklin? All right. Nobody. Wow. Um. <laughs> that was unexpected. Um. Anyway, here's a reason to like downtown Franklin if you haven't been. Uh, in 1827, uh, St. Paul's Episcopal Church uh, in downtown Franklin was established. Uh, this is, uh, uh, the building was built, I think, in 1831, which is just a lot of years ago. Uh, if you like history, this, uh, this church has an amazing history. It was like a barracks and then infirmary during the Battle of Franklin. So if you can imagine, like, bloody soldiers laying in there, like, that's exactly what this place was. It's been around forever. Uh, and uh, St. Paul's Episcopal is three doors down from Starbucks. All right, so now, oh, I know where that is, yeah. Uh, and... One of my favorite things about this, this building is like, if you go in, it's, I love our space here. I love it. It's amazing and awesome, but we don't get the like old sacred space church stuff here all that much. You know, it's, I love our space, not, not complaining at all. Uh, but this place is tiny and old and the floorboards creak beneath you. And there's, there's amazing architecture and beautiful stained glass. And here's the best part. Since 1831, when this building was erected, the doors are always unlocked. Since 1831. And so I'm letting you into this. It is my secret place. Now you know about it. And you know that at all watches of the night, or early in the morning, I challenge you, the next time you're in downtown Franklin, uh, it's something we've been doing, take your family. The front door will be open. I know it may feel awkward. Just go on in. No one, likely no one will be in there. If there are people, sometimes I go late at night or early in the morning, and sometimes there have been homeless people asleep or something like that. Don't worry, they're not going to hurt you. Go in. Find a pew. Sit down and allow the love of God to embrace you completely. And I guarantee you everything outside is going to be calling. Starbucks and all the other Franklin stuff like awesome, right? But when you go to Franklin or you pass through that main street, take a moment to do what the psalmist said. To be quiet and calm in the arms of God.
So I want to wrap up, but I, I want to tell you one more story. Uh, one of the books I've been reading is uh, Ragamuffin Gospel by uh, uh, Brennan Manning. Any of you guys know this book? Ever heard, ever heard of it? Um, so I, I love this, uh, this book. It's really great. It's about the love of God. It's really going to shape a lot of what we're doing next year as a church. Uh, but in this book, it, it, it talks about this idea of that, that really Psalm 131 is getting at, this idea of, of just being present here and now. And he tells the, a story about seizing the strawberry. Good, nobody knows the story. Uh, so there was this adventurer and he was hiking along this trail one day and he looked behind him and, and believe it or not, as, as complete and utter shock to him, he looks behind him and he sees a tiger. And the tiger is crouched, ready to come after him. And the adventurer, he turns and he begins to run down the trail all the time looking over his shoulder and here the tiger is coming. The tiger is growling and snarling and clawing and trying to catch up with him. And the man is running as fast as he can until he comes to the edge of a cliff. And there is nowhere for him to go. He looks, he sees the tiger again and here he is stuck at the cliff. And in the last second he looks down and he sees that there's actually a rope that leads over the edge of the cliff. Hurriedly, he grabs the rope and he begins to climb down just as the tiger scoots up to the edge of the cliff and looks down at him. So he's on this rope, but he looks down now and he sees that the rope is short and it's short far hundreds of feet and hundreds of feet, hundreds of feet below him are jagged, broken rocks. Still, he's safe for the moment, he thinks, until he looks back up, he sees the tiger, but he also sees two hungry mice that are beginning to gnaw at the rope. And in that moment, he looks at the cliff face and he sees a strawberry. And he reaches out. In that moment, he plucks the strawberry, puts it into his mouth and exclaims, wow, this is the most delicious strawberry I have ever tasted. What's the moral? I don't know either. That's okay. I think it has something to do with the gift of a moment. Some of you right now and your schedules are being chased by lions and tigers and bears. You're scrambling and clawing. Maybe you feel surrounded by, by lots of negative, destructive, hurtful, hateful things. But if we can be here now, God knows exactly what you need. You know how to ruin Christmas? <laughs> I don't know what you said, but I'm not going back. Do you, know how, do you know how to ruin Christmas? Be somewhere else. Right? Advent, the psalmist. And, and like this is, this is an important lesson for us because I know some of you right now are already gone. I'm hesitant to say this. But if Christ came right now or this week, would you even notice? Or has busyness robbed us of even that?
You see, I think before you can advent, you must be here now. And I beg you and challenge you as men and women of God to pursue quiet and calm, pursue the embrace of God. And that's the last line of the psalmist says. He says, O Israel, put your hope or wait in the Lord now and always. Remember what Jesus said. Wait. Watch. Expect hope for my return. And we do that in quiet and calm. So in just a minute, uh, we're going to enter into a time of communion. I'll go ahead and invite our worship team to go ahead and come back up if you guys would like to. Uh, it's part of our tradition to, to celebrate communion each week. And uh, even in our, our, our bulletin, there's an explanation of, uh, a little bit of explanation of why we do this and why it's important. Uh, and I, but I just encourage you, even if you're a guest, I encourage you to, to join with us into this, this sacred space. And on the tables around the room, you'll find the elements of the cup and the bread. It's, they're simple elements to remind us of uh, the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us. But it's, it's an invitation place, too. It's a place for you to respond. It's a place for you to come back in. It's a place for you to let go of all of the pressures of this world and seize the strawberry. To recognize the gift that he has for you. And as you go to this space, I'm gonna give you a simple prayer to pray. It is an Advent prayer and it is an Aramaic prayer. Uh, it is maybe, maybe one of the oldest Aramaic prayers. Um, it's extended through, even through the first century, even in Greek, they, they prayed this same prayer. Uh, it's a prayer, it's just two words, but it's uh, in Aramaic, we combine it into one. Paul ends his letter to the Corinthians with this two-word prayer, and also uh, it is the last prayer of John's revelation. So if you know that last book of the Bible, like it's actually the last prayer in there. Uh, it's one of the most ancient Christian prayers in the language of Jesus himself. Kind of has a harmonic quality that, that hopefully will help bring your mind to silence. And it's really just, uh, it's four syllables. I encourage you just to kind of sound them out. And when I say it, you're, you're going to know it already. But it is the perfect Advent prayer. As you calm and quiet yourself, as you enter into this space of communion, I invite you to say this prayer. And it is... Maranatha. And it means, come, Lord. It is a simple invitation that can be said from a quiet and calm soul, inviting all that Jesus has and is into your day. And as you enter into this space of communion, even, in your, even in your, with your mind's voice, I invite you to repeat those four syllables, Maranatha, Maranatha, Maranatha. Let's pray together and I'll send you to a time of communion. Father God, I thank you so much for your word and for its power, for, for its relevance for us. But Father God, as, 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 as cool and interesting and challenging as your word is, Father God, nothing is more important to you than embracing us. 
Father God, you extend your arms to us regardless of, of who we are or what we've done, the good and the bad. Father God, you are here open and waiting for us. And so, Father God, I pray for a release from all of the pressures and struggles of this place. I pray that, that everyone who is a part of this church could experience quiet and calm and know your touch again. And Father God, I, I pray that as they say, Lord, come that you would enter into them with a peace that passes understanding. And Father God, we know that you hear this prayer We've seen your action and your work in giving your own son to create a way for this. And so, God, we recognize you and, and we love you. And, Father God, we invite you to come. In the name of Jesus Christ, Maranatha. Amen. I invite you all to enjoy a time of communion together.